This is Masonic Muscle, where we explore the mysterious origins, history, traditions, and symbols of Freemasonry, while at the same time encouraging you, brethren, to increase your level of fitness one degree at a time, strengthening your body, mind, and soul, and getting an awesome mental, muscular, and spiritual pump, progressively increasing the resistance, because Freemasonry is a progressive science. We give you more light, but no lightweights. Brethren, 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 I've been asking you this, and I've been getting like crickets, zero response. Brethren, officers of your lodges in California and everywhere else that uses ciphers. Have you been reading your ciphers? Have you been doing your memory work? This is part of your work. Yes, it, get, it gets monotonous. Yes, it gets boring. But if it's a responsibility you have taken on, why haven't you been doing it? And in relation to that, have you been strengthening your Masonic knowledge? Have you? Have you been doing some good research, some study, memory work once again, right? Because uh, it's been proven that when we memorize and do stuff with our memory, mental work, it does something to us health-wise as well. And one of the best ways to increase your level of knowledge is through conversation, through Socratic style conversation, the dialectic, you know, engaging and becoming a part of an exploration in whatever topic it may be. And finally, have you been making exercise the cornerstone of your daily routines? I mean, really, really, gentlemen, brethren, in this day and age over these last two years, really? I mean, are you, are you waiting for the magic pill? I mean, a lot of people have been using the, the magic jab, you know, to increase their chances of uh, surviving the cooties. Well, let's increase our level of fitness as well and help our body's immune system do its job. Okay, uh, I want to get into it right away here. And I want to read an article that I thought was really uh, it adds to what we're doing. It adds to what I've been sharing with you as far as the mysterious origins, history, traditions, and symbols of Freemasonry. And, and the question is, what significance has Freemasonry's claim to antiquity? This was an article written by Frederick T. Parker out of Westmont, Mount Quebec, Canada, way back in March of 1949. And he says this, he says, assuming that the claim of Freemasonry to antiquity is an established historical fact, has it any special significance or value to us as speculative Freemasons today? And if speculative is concerned with pursuing an inquiry about the nature or cause of a thing, then of course, a past history becomes a fundamental. But speculative Freemasonry goes beyond this. If speculative means to ponder over so-called practical things and to work out a system of moral or spiritual values, the past has certain additional significance. It may show us whether or not our presumed values have withstood the test of time. If they have, we can accept them as proven truths, and as such, they are eternal verities. We can use them as basic and proven foundations upon which we in all confidence, can erect a superstructure, perfect in all its parts, 
knowing that our house will be founded upon solid rock. The past, therefore, is of significance or value only as we can use it to our advantage in the present and in our planning for the future. Setting aside the relationship of Freemasonry with the old mysteries as not being quite pertinent to the question, the claim is made that Freemasonry dates back to the Romans, that groups of men unified in their various capacities in the erection of buildings and temples, that perforce they lived together and usually in lodges quite close to the buildings they were erecting. Being by existing circumstances obliged to live and work together, it became essential to institute rules of social conduct to ensure peace and harmony. As these rules proved of practical value, they were formed into codes, and the latter may be found in Roman literature as well as in the old English Masonic manuscripts. Probably they should be termed moral codes since they dealt primarily with the man's relationship with his fellows. They were based on the individual acceptance of certain principles, or at least one was bound to accept a code of conduct based on those moral principles. We may as well call them Masonic ornaments, brotherly love, truth, justice, and many others, <clears throat> all having been incorporated into our speculative philosophy and some being symbolized in the furniture of our lodges. And here, the matter of symbolism naturally arises. Symbols are of value because they are visual representations and enable one to more fully grasp and remember the sometimes abstract principles they represent. It would be a natural step for these early builders to apply the tools they used as representing or symbolizing these moral ethics of conduct, which proved a practical value in their relationship with one another. Hence, the square would symbolize morality, the level equality, the plum, justice, etc. As time went on and the speculative mind developed, other symbols were instituted to represent other wise and serious truths together with other principles or values which the past had clearly proved the basic qualities and essential to man's harmonious relationship with his fellow men. The past, therefore, is a real significance, of real value to us, for it has given to us pragmatical proof that man can live with his fellow men if certain practical principles are observed. In consequence, they are basic truths. The past, and indeed the present, have proven without a doubt that people cannot live in peace and harmony unless these principles are accepted. As speculative masons, we should accept and enact the principles of brotherly love, truth, justice, mercy, and tolerance as being essentially fundamental to the solution of the manifold perplexing problems of the present day. In their universal acceptance and practice lies the salvation of the world, and in our individual acceptance of them, we can help build that superstructure of the Northeast Corner lecture to exemplify one of the great aims of the craft, which we are members. All right. That is what Brother Frederick T. Parker had to say way back in 1949, uh, March, in the Philalethes magazine. So we see that this brother immediately cast aside the possibility of any connection with the mystery schools, but he went with something a little bit closer to us, which was the Roman Empire and, and some of the similarities with the Collegia. 
and uh, the rules that they laid down in order to, uh, yeah, you know, uh, interact with one another. <clears throat> and so these rules, as they began to be, be observed by the members and by society in, in general, and we, and we apply them to other periods of time, we see that they become like a universal truth. They're, they're, they're foundational to any society to any uh, group or tribe to have uh, cohesion, right? And morals keep coming up. Now they use brotherly love, truth, justice. They use these ideas because uh, back then and the Stoics, they had the, their four cardinal virtues are different. I forgot uh, what exactly they, they were, but I, it's, it's uh, I think, uh, truth, justice, courage, uh, and I forget the other one, uh, and, and the Daily Stoic, um, Ryan Holiday, he's always uh, mentioning this, and he, he created a challenge coin with the four cardinal virtues that even Marcus Aurelius used. Uh, so he brings up this point now, going back to the article, of speculative masons. And if speculative means to ponder over so-called practical things and to work out a system of moral or spiritual values, the past has certain additional significance. Now, there it is, speculative, right? Because when you join the craft, the brethren there make it a huge point to point out to you that we are speculative masons. You know, our ancient brethren were both operative and speculative, but we now are only speculative, and therefore uh, we're supposed to speculate. And some of this speculation becomes difficult. Why? Because um, this is where the so-called wild theories come out, the so-called wild conspiracy theories. And if you speculate too much, it can get out of hand. But really, I mean, can it? Can it get out of hand? We, we cannot speculate. And right now, as we see in society, we haven't been able to speculate in the last two years about the possible origins of the cooties. Right? This, is, this is highly significant, and it connects to, to this little uh, piece that we just read. Because if we're speculating, then you're being allowed to explore the possibilities but when that is being hampered and your freedom of speech and your freedom of uh, thought and expression begin to come into question and begin to get censored because it's not going in accordance with a certain party line uh, crazy things begin to happen so can you imagine if this these ideas began to infiltrate the fraternity which maybe they have, right? Because uh, many Masons, uh, we're out there. We're out there in society. We're, we're in the mix. We're, we're workers. We're from the lowest rung to the highest levels. There are Masons to be found. So these ideas and, and everything that's happening to, in society naturally is taken back into the lodge room where we meet once a week or, or once a month, however your lodge may practice. And so can you imagine if it begins to infiltrate the lodge and, and someone begins the 
begin to question the nature of being speculative masons and be careful what you speculate on and hey hey hey, we can't speculate on that you know because da 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 or, or whatever they're gonna invent or create so we have to be careful the, the last the, the last paragraph of this article is very concise and i'm gonna read it to you again as speculative masons, we should accept and enact the principles of brotherly love, truth, justice, mercy, and tolerance as being essentially fundamental to the solution of the manifold perplexing problems of the present day. That was back in 1949, and we're still saying that today. In their universal acceptance and practice lies the salvation of the world, and in our individual acceptance of them we can help build this, that superstructure of the northeast corner uh, northeast corner lecture to exemplify one of the great aims of the craft of which we are members and yeah uh, some of the things you know that i've just mentioned are have been highly explosive families have been divided friendships have been broken over this these last two years and what's been happening And this article here is touching upon that very thing, the, you know, what could be the salvation, what could be part of the solution. And it's something that Freemasons have been touting for at least 300 years. And although they haven't stopped touting it, there are some things that have happened where members have been questioning the leadership of Freemasonry overall. Because we have gone away, I believe, from some of what this article said. <clears throat> yeah yeah we all have to you know just accept it for what it is all right i got another email here from a brother his name is steve steven how are you steven McClune. and he writes in and he says this he says just wanted to drop you a line to say what a great job you are doing with your podcast your interview with brother christopher earnshaw in particular has been my favorite I have heard him interview, interviewed on many Masonic podcasts, but you let the conversation delve into lots of nooks and crannies. It really was fascinating, and we could see his intellect really shine. You also do a great job of encouraging brethren to work on improving their whole temple, body, mind, and spirit. So keep it up. Fraternal regards, Steve. Steve, thank you very much. I appreciate those words of encouragement. Thank you for listening. Keep encouraging everybody to listen, everybody who you think will benefit from this. And yeah, that, that interview with Christopher Earnshaw was, was fun. It, it really was. And I've said it before, I believe, and I'll say it again. It, it, it just felt as if we were just hanging out in the lounge, having a nice drink, and letting the conversation flow wherever it was, was going to flow. Even though he has his area of expertise, which he does, and that's what really came through in that conversation but it was really really fun i enjoyed it i'm going to have him on again at some point here in the future because i know he's busy he's a busy man and even after i talked to him in the interview he he expressed you know we were talking and we were just uh catching up on some other things and he he expressed how fun that was he he you know we both expressed how fun it was and how much uh we had gone into and we just you know there were some things that were brought up that we weren't expecting and that's part of having a good conversation that's part of being able to ask 
you know, good questions that will that can lead into these nooks and crannies. And very well put there, Steve. So, you know, you 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 know when you're in the presence of someone that knows his stuff and that all you got to do is just ask the right questions and then that person will let her rip and that's and that's a fact all right let's read a let's read a um an article from brother bill hember and it's time for the exercise portion and this is from a super strength training uh website and he says this he says a few weeks ago I ran a four-part series dealing with one of the most important issues in training. In it, I gave several examples of how overtraining can speak, sneak up on you. One of several solutions to this problem is rest. Time heals all wounds. Giving yourself time in the form of rest and relaxation is one of the best ways to recover or heal from illness, injury, or strenuous workout. Your body has an amazing capability to heal itself if you just have patience and give it the time. Patience, time, patience, and perseverance, right, brethren? You know what I'm talking about. Let's move on. Ironically, sometimes doing nothing is the best thing to do for the recovery process to kick in. However, don't get carried away. Too much of anything can be bad. For every day of complete bed rest, it takes seven days to recover completely and regain your original strength. Read that again, brethren, and think about it for a moment. There must be a balance between exercise and recuperation. Didn't we just talk about the 24-inch gauge and you know how to use that and apply it to exercise, an exercise routine, or just plain you know, exercise? There it is. There must be a balance between exercise and recuperation. And by the way, there is no set standard for the number of hours of sleep required. For years, eight hours was thought to be the ideal number. But for whom? Believe it or not, I have known people that get by just fine on four uninterrupted hours of sleep. Uh, so, so do I. I know people like that now. Others seem to need as much as 10 hours. Too much sleep may have a tendency to leave, your, leave you lethargic accompanied by stiffness along with aches and pains. Come back an hour and see how you feel. Sometimes a half hour nap in the middle of the day will work wonders and leave you refreshed for the second half. And it shouldn't be any secret, especially for those of us who are getting gray. The older we get, the longer it takes to recuperate from physical activity. This is why planning a good result-producing training program for those over 40 should not be based on what worked for you when you were 20 and had all the energy and recovery potential of a, of a blast furnace. This is why I have long suggested the following book, which is full of several different workouts, training tips, diet, etc. Ever since its release, I have received tons of responses from trainees who have felt it was the single best reason that they have been able to continue in their training. Go here now and order a copy and you'll see what I mean. Dinosaur Training, Lost Secrets of Strength and Development. There it is, brethren. Yes, Brooks Kubik, the original dinosaur training man. He's talking about him. He also is talking about the Mark Berry barbell courses. The famous weightlifting uh, coach, Mark Berry, wrote 
the, this course during the time that he was training John Grimmick, who later became national weightlifting champion, Mr. America, Mr. Universe, Mr. USA, and retired undefeated in bodybuilding. As a matter of fact, Grimmick poses for each exercise illustrated on the wall charts. I know I have that book and it's awesome. They look great framed and placed on the wall of your gym. Until the next time, yours for greater strength, Bill Himber. Go to his website, brethren. Check it out. Super Strength Training. It is awesome. Whatever uh, you know, question you may have, he's going to have a book on it. He's going to have some kind of information on it. And if he doesn't, if you give him a call, uh, he's awesome. He, uh, you know, he, he will answer your call. He will return calls. And, you know, I've, I've called him many times. I've talked to him over the phone many, many times. And he, you know, he's been great. He's never uh, let me down. He's never, never answered, you know, my call or, you know, an email that I sent. He responds. He puts thought and effort into it. And he'll help you in any way he can. What do you think about that? Huh? So. Things are getting crazier, right? The Ukraine. Things are blowing up over there. And we have uh, uh, several lodges now uh, around the United States, uh, you know, uh, posting articles and writing that they want to uh, save up money, begin to take donations to help the brethren over there in any way they can, anything that can help, you know, Masons are for freedom, Masons are for freedom of speech, Masons are this and that. And sometimes I got to wonder where was that in the last two years? And we all have to deal with that question right there, brethren, all of us in our own way. So don't get mad that somebody said it, that'd be me right now. Because you know, you've heard it somewhere else. If you haven't, you will. And if Masons are supposed to be strong, the pillars of strength in society, well then, what are you waiting for? Engage in conversation. Let the other side speak. Don't be afraid. And you know that whatever you're thinking isn't the end-all, be-all. Whatever I'm thinking isn't the end-all, be-all. And there it is. This is Masonic Muscle, and this has been another exercise in critical thinking and speculation, challenging you all to question everything. Question everything. Stay strong, brethren. Take care of your health. Eat well. Exercise. Spend time with your family, friends, relatives, and neighbors. Stick together. Stay united. And remember, if you... Do not, as a Mason, contribute to the common stock of knowledge and understanding. You may be deemed a drone in the hive of nature, a useless member of society, and unworthy of the protection as a Mason. Good night now.